Welcome, Mike. Mike Mantic. So tell me about uh, about death. About death. Okay, that's an interesting one. Um, okay, so this the story. I think if you want to start from the beginning. Hmm. So I was um, when I was thirteen. I was hit by a car. Yeah. And um, and then had a a near death experience that was very much one of those things where if you've ever done work with altered states of consciousness, you know that time doesn't operate in the same way in those dimensions as mm -hmm. as it does here. So in the space of it, in the time it took me to to bounce off the front of this car, which was moving at speed, <clears throat> fly through the air and land on the road, mm. a whole thing unfolded for me. Mm -hmm. um, and the interesting thing about it, and this is, you know, with people who have near-death experiences, this isn't commonly discussed, but a lot of them, the vast majority of them have, have a lot of trouble integrating back into society after having an experience like that. Right. right? The, yeah. Those those typical things that a lot of people take for granted about society and the way it runs and how people are together and all of that start to seem very strange when when put into context of having had an experience where where really what we're doing is having a, a an integrated experience with ourselves as our spirit um you know and that that's the, the spirit that that was there before this lifetime that will continue after this lifetime and so that was me yeah like um quite dysfunctional afterwards mm -hmm. and um and that dysfunction it, it how it operated in me alexander was almost like i was left with a foot in both worlds yeah and but in a really dysfunctional way so right. so i <clears throat> i or i had this this deep fascination with exploring consciousness mm. And at the same time, this deep paranoia of um, <clears throat> what was on the other side of the veil, particularly, you know, like a fears of being um, taken over by other spirits and all of this sort of stuff. So, <clears throat> so it's really funny. These 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 great spiritual experiences that a lot of people really strive after, and sometimes the people <laughs> who have them. I don't find them so so easy and and natural. I was just reading about somebody who who back in you know a hundred years ago or or so um, achieved some kind of enlightenment and lost their personal ego and spent mm. most of their life seeing psychiatrists trying to figure out what was wrong with them. <laughs> How to fix it. <laughs> I'm enlightened, fix me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so it, I, it I had, had a lot of trouble with with I, I had a some years of experience of love of God, which I hated. Right. It was it was really hard, really difficult. Um, so yeah, these, okay. you know, different experiences that can be actually quite hard. Mm. So so you had this experience of uh, of some knowledge of what was on the other side of of like what was out there. But mm. it wasn't necessarily a, a comforting knowledge. Yeah? Well, it's not that it wasn't comforting. It was just 
with that, it's almost like part of your consciousness has to not um, be fully embodied in this third dimensional reality mm. in order to maintain that connection. And, and I, it's almost like I didn't have a choice. Mm. You know, that was, I was, like I said, I was sort of stuck halfway between. So with that in mind, like it just meant that doing things in the world is, was quite difficult for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, and it actually, like I did all sorts of things, you know, like did all sorts of healing work, did, um, became a, a breath work practitioner, mm -hmm. a body work practitioner, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, I was in a 10 year shamanic apprenticeship where we explored all sorts of altered states of consciousness. It was all cool. None of it fixed that situation. Yeah, right. Um, and actually what happened last year was, was that my best friend of 25 years passed away and he um he was like a reiki master and he probably mm. wouldn't have called himself that he was super humble but mm. he was um and then he uh, so we were there like not long after he passed away and so we would we were really i was still very present with his spirit um because mm. i was still there hanging around yeah and what came to light in that 24 hours after he died was a request for his wife, my wife and myself to, to make, basically make a time to connect with him every day mm -hmm. for 21 days. Mm -hmm. And in that 21 days, basically I was able to follow him out through his, his journey of mm -hmm. going back into the spirit world. And it, a lot came of it. Like I sat and wrote every time mm. I connected with him. So I was writing sort of 1200 to 1500 words a night, just on where he was at, what was going, his insights, that sort of stuff. Um, but, but the upshot of all of that was that 36 years of whatever it was being stuck between worlds, um, just fixed like that you like just, that you just 21 days okay fantastic yeah like that 21 days became transformative for me and and so it it became a bridge rather than me just being stuck hmm. between worlds you know uh and and all of that stuff like the the shamanic apprenticeship the the work with altered states of consciousness all of that sort of stuff just seemed to while they were before that 21 days, sort of like amazing, but disparate parts of knowledge and information just suddenly integrated. And it was like, oh, okay. I see how all of this kind of ties together. Mm. Um, so that's been a big shift. Yeah. Okay. So, so where has it led you? Um, so where it's led me is I'm in the process of writing a book um, that is predominantly about helping people who are dying mm -hmm. and people who are being left by the dying mm -hmm. to, uh, to bridge that connection so that they can prepare themselves for death in a way that, um, makes them not scared, you know, that makes them comfortable about moving on to the next realm. Mm. Um, and for those being left behind to do so in a way that 
that should they choose to, and this is not, not a, um, a definitive thing that you must do, but should you choose to, if, if that person that's, that's leaving is particularly close, how to, you know, how to maintain that connection with them as they're, as they're leaving. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it seems to, I mean, certainly for me and my friend, it's, it's left an enduring connection. So I quite often will feel him like, particularly when I'm writing this this work and I'm I'm creating a book a, a short course with sort of meditations and guided experiences, mm -hmm. um, and I quite often find him standing behind me with his hands on my shoulders and kind of guiding me as to you know no say it like this right and <laughs> <laughs> so it's cool. Um, but it's very much not, I mean, it's non-denominational, it's not dogma, and particularly I'm not interested in telling people what happened for me or how it's going to be for them. Mm. What the, the purpose of what I'm trying to achieve is, is really to give people an, a little hints of experience mm. because the, the primacy of their own experience is really where the wisdom lies. There's no wisdom in me telling them what to expect. There's no wisdom in me telling you what's going to happen on the other side, right? That's, that is something that, that you must find for yourself. And you can just through guided experiences where, where you start associating. Um, People like it, though. People do like it when you tell them what's on the other side. Being told, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I know, they do. But look, it doesn't give you any wisdom. Yeah. It's just collecting more knowledge. And and it's really just an egoic thing. Mm. You know, it's, it's the ego trying to make itself feel all right. <laughs> it is. So the... You know, you talked about self-actualization um, before we started this conversation. Mm. And to me, the beauty of, of this kind of work, the beauty of having that primacy of experience so that, that, that you know, you don't have to rely on anyone else. You don't have to rely on me or I don't have to rely on somebody else to tell me how it is. You have, you have had an, a direct experience. And this, you know, this sort of is... Um, it's like it's predicated on shamanic principles that, that go back 40,000 years, you know, that, that it is about direct experience. There was no middleman priests 40,000 years ago, you know, it was just you and God, right? Sure, it was you and... Sure. And it's not just the shamans, you know, the shamans were doing it, the, the Gnostics uh, were into that as well. And that mm. was uh, came through into the Christian tradition. There is actually a Christian Gnostic tradition that's into this. Yeah, the, the, the alchemists, same yeah, deal. mystics all over the world, and they all say the same things. It's like mm. you you listen to the mystics who who come from other parts of the world and thousands of years apart, and they sound like they're the same person almost in the way they describe <laughs> the, the experiences. Sometimes, at least at the yeah. very highest realms, I think that the the kind of when you get to the realms where all is one and 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 the great beyond even beyond where all is one where it's just emptiness then there's not much different that can be said about it no and and the, and the underlying theme is nothing can be said about yeah, it yeah nothing much can be said <laughs> about it at all um poetry a bit of interesting poetry comes out um yeah. but uh at the 
slightly lower realms where we where we meet the spirits the where the the dead who've passed on are still around mm. and there's a bit more to say i think well the the interesting thing if you look at um so do you know raymond moody no so raymond raymond moody is a doctor who's since the 70s i think maybe even the late 60s has been studying near-death experiences mm. and just collating what people said mm. you know what happened to them on the other side um and he's done you know like there's hundreds hundreds of stories thousands probably um of what people discovered on the other side and then there's another guy called michael newton who's who's passed away now um and michael newton was a he's a doctor he was also a hypnotherapist and in doing past life regression work with people he accidentally one time um encountered somebody who who in doing past life regression work slipped between two lives and was in the spirit world and he just started asking questions and that led to years of study like michael newton had done over 6,000 um, hypnotherapy sessions with people on in getting them between lives and discovering what, what they encountered in the spirit world. And I actually came across his work um, not long after my friend died last year. And then I found that, I, so I hunted down who was doing his work and I found the guy who, um, who took over from Michael Newton. So Michael Newton started a foundation. This guy took over from him um, and has since done another sort of 6,000 sessions on his own. Mm. Uh, and he actually ended up, he was living just down the road from me in Australia. So uh, Michael Newton's in Canada. Um, so, so yeah, it was just super interesting. Like no matter what the, you know, the various religions say, you know, like I'm going to go to Valhalla or I'm going to go to, heaven or purgatory i'm gonna get you know like go end up somewhere with 99 virgins or whatever it is um the the consistency of these stories is amazing like of what people experience when they when they die when they pass out through you know toward the light who they meet what happens to them afterwards you know the 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 questions they get asked, the the uh, experiences that they have, are just so consistent, mm. so consistent mm. all the way through. Wow, yeah. There's a there's a concept of being judged. Does that come up? Well, it do, it does. It's not. It's not. Um, <laughs> It's funny, like I was raised Catholic, right? Mm. So, so the, the notion of being judged is very um, authoritarian. You know, you will be judged from on high as a, you know, as a lowly peasant and all of that. that do you know that? Do you know the Egyptian, ancient Egyptian story? With the scales and the feather? And the heart. They take your heart out and put it on the scales yeah. and put it next to a feather and which one is heavier if that's your right. heart is lighter Beautiful. than a feather then you go to heaven that's a good I image i think if you understand it yeah absolutely yeah. gorgeous 
but it, it's if we look at because I, I I don't want to be talking about my experience per se, but um, if we look yeah, at the but, consistent, but people like the hearing stories, so go ahead. Yeah. So, well, the yeah. consistent themes that come from, say, that work that I was just talking about is that that you do meet with, um, you know, you, you meet with groups that you perhaps your soul and their souls have journeyed together over lifetimes. Mm. And, and you have a life review. Life mm. review is a really common thing, which is a really different experience of being judged right you know I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like looking at a it's like having done a project and going okay what did i learn mm. where did i go wrong what did i get right you know mm. it's it's almost like it's self-judging mm. um with with a view to learning right um, so su super different from being judged by an authority and then being sent forever to the doghouse or you know, to the, wherever it is. To the yeah. good, yeah, wherever it is. That's right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but I, you're, you're right. I, I do love that, um, that Egyptian image because it speaks volumes. Yeah. Hmm. So what do you, uh, are you working, like you're writing a book, are you also doing any other kind of work with this at the moment? Yeah, look, I, um, at the moment, the work that I'm doing is is working with businesses, mm. um, which is totally not what we've just been talking about. Uh -huh. um, but but working with businesses intuitively, uh, particularly with people who are doing like healing work, personal spiritual development work, mm. basically any kind of transformational work that's bringing you know more light, love, and harmony yeah. to the planet. Um, so I'm helping people who are wanting to run those businesses how to, to use intuition to set them up so that they really convey the true message that their heart wants to convey to the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, and then using... Um, so, so we talked about self-actualization before. So, so the way I see things operating is that we have this ego. It's the ego is like the you know, it's like a database of all our hurts and pains and all that sort of stuff that we've collected. And, it, and it's tied very much in with the with physical, like your body's intelligence, um, your survival mechanisms, all of that sort of stuff. And and typically, that's where most people operate, right? So if, if somebody says, I want to build a business, their ego very helpfully will go, cool, I, I can help you with that. And, mm -hmm. and it'll look back through its history and go, okay, we can do it, but here are all the things that are wrong with you that you've got to fix mm -hmm. in order yeah. to get there. Yeah. And as soon as you're focused on those things, you're off, right? You you are off track. And you're so this is a really happen. important point that is actually quite, I find quite difficult for people to get their head around. Um, yeah. We get a lot of people who get into business and go, I need to work on my weaknesses. I need to mm -hmm. I need to build these these areas that I'm not very good at in business. You know, every business is you have to do everything in business, and so you're always not good at something. There's, there's some element of it that you're not good at, and and so you, someone says, you know, I need to work on my ability to manage money, and someone else says I need to work on my confidence to be able to speak, and um, when I, I kind of suggest an alternative, alternative approach where we focus on your strengths and just do things that you're good at, people mm -hmm. feel like it's a kind of a cop-out. 
like they're <laughs> there, but but aren't I supposed to be working on becoming a full, well-rounded person and doing all of these all of these elements and if i'm choosing not to do something and letting someone else do it and i kind of kind of somehow not doing my job properly yeah it's look where where i come from alexandra's is that it's if we're focused on those conditions right so so you know i'm no good with money uh, I need to work on my public speaking, all of that sort of stuff. What we're really saying to ourselves, like what we're really saying through our actions to our subconscious mind is we are not enough to have what we want, mm -hmm. which to me is is fundamentally coming from the wrong direction. Um, so, so, so I was discussing, you know, that we've got this part of ourselves, this egoic part of ourselves. We, we also have, and everyone sort of intuitively understands that we have this spirit hmm. and, and that spirit, when, when you really step into it, when you really inhabit that, like through, through meditation, through direct experience, that, that part of yourself will tell you what it wants to create. And it is absolutely disinterested in all the things that you think are wrong with you. It's like that part of yourself is whole. And our job is to, to, to hold ourselves as whole and come from that place. So when we, when we go to build a business, what we're building is we're not building a business that wants to make lots of money because secretly in our heart, we feel poor, right? We're not building a business that shows how awesome we are on stage because secretly in our heart, we feel like an idiot and we, sh mm. you know, and we're embarrassed by ourselves. They're, they're all compensating strategies, mm. you know, and, and if you're building a business or if you're building anything, if you're creating anything, it could be a painting, could be a picture, it could be a song, whatever. Mm. If we're creating from a place that is just designed to fix what we think is wrong with ourselves, mm. what we'll end up creating is it, to be honest, like to be blunt, it's rubbish, right? <laughs> it's based on low level crap information that mm -hmm. has no relevance to our heart at all. <laughs> when we when we operate from our spirit and go, okay, what would I love? What would I love to do? What would I love to create? What is the gift I would love to share? What is the transformation I would love to offer for people? That doesn't have an opposite. And so we will get instructions intuitively as to, okay, do this. Sometimes those instructions will make no sense. Sometimes they will be scary as anything, right? That whole notion of from, from Joseph Campbell of follow your bliss, I find totally misleading because quite often, if you are coming from that high level intuitive place, it will get you to do things that are absolutely terrifying and they don't feel like following your bliss i think but i think it's actually technically very accurate you just have to understand what bliss is bliss is not your worldly happiness you know sure. it's, it's something so when you are following this guidance there's a certain joy that comes of it and yeah it can be terrifying but there's a kind of positive enjoyment a wonderful sense of being on the right path that that yeah that comes with it yeah i'm the last i've for, for many years, actually, I've been quite inspired and I wake up in the morning and I go, what do I feel like doing? And I just do it and, and good things happen. And the yeah, last, last month or so, I've been, you know, I wake up in the morning and go, what should I do today? 
nothing. I'm like, what? Where? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> really? Nothing? I'm still in that yeah. actually. It's just starting to things are starting to come out of it, but it's but it's very beginning of the next phase. But it's like it was really challenging. It was really like um oh, yeah. yeah. I uh, I'm not sure I want to sit around and do nothing, but okay. Uh, had a, the last two days have been like that for me and I've struggled with it. Like I feel like I should be doing things, you know, but yeah. sometimes yeah. sometimes you have to honor just sitting and staring at the clouds and letting the next thing come, I guess. Yeah, it's part of it. And then, like you said, sometimes you have to do something scary. And sometimes you, a lot of the time, you have to do really fun things. Uh, actually, mm. I think that's something that people miss miss out a lot is the, is the fun. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so that's, so that's what I've been helping people with. And then that was just obvious because I, you know, I spent the last 16 years trying to mainstream mm -hmm. and and be normal because i had a family and responsibilities yeah. and things like that um and you figured out how that, you could do something else that's good yeah well it just seemed obvious that if i was gonna teach people how i've done the stuff that i've done in the last 16 years then i may as well teach it in in context of people that i would love to help yeah them build their business absolutely and i think there's a lot of call for that. I mean, there's a lot of people trying to help people with their businesses, but in terms of uh, the kind of a new way of business that is not based on ego and greed, but is based on service and connection mm. and spirit, it's like we haven't quite got it out there as something that people understand and can work with easily yet. An important, no, important thing to I, be working I think on. there's a lot of there's a lot of ideas of how it should be, but mm. but a lot of those people that are teaching that haven't really nailed like like i was just talking about you know that difference between between the egoic and and operating from the spirit hmm. they haven't really nailed the structure to be able to do that and it is structural once you get the structure you can move forward structural in what sense what do you mean um there's a so for instance um you know, there's, there can be a structure, we can set up a structure where every single day, what you do is you wake up in the morning and you've made particular choices mm -hmm. um, of the things that you want to create in the world. Mm -hmm. And and you, you choose those choices every morning. And what it does is it orients you toward operating from the spirit rather than mm -hmm. the ego. Right. That That is a structure that will keep you on track. That sounds really important. One of the another thing that I get people talking about I, I, is this problem of having a dream and a vision and wanting to create it, and then a couple of weeks down the track, going, "Hang on, where did it go?" <laughs> <laughs> distracted. Uh, distractions, distracted by life in some sense. But I am assuming that the distraction is some kind of ego distraction because it's not. They're not distracted into some joyous connection they're distracted into something very very practical so i'm assuming that if we could keep the keep coming back to that that guidance and that vision that mm -hmm. um, the distraction would be much less i also assume that there are some actual kind of baggage that people carry around that sort of keeps keeps pulling them 
out of alignment kind of thing like yeah weight on one side part... yeah i see what you mean yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that is that is part of just being human though i think we all carry that egoic mm. um pull to something mm. you know we're, we're all ha have a fundamental belief and then compensating strategies for that belief and and it will lead us astray like it's just part of resistance hmm. uh, uh, you know one of my mentors talks about um about the you know like the mists of avalon hmm. um and and how when when the when the magician or or the 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 witch or whatever the the priestess you know parts the mists of avalon to get through to the other side those mists always come back hmm. right? and and it's the same thing like we, we can spend a day totally on point focused connected with spirit creating what we want to create and go to sleep and we wake up the next morning and all the old baggage is all there that to me it's what's important is to recognize that 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 part, that part of ourselves that spirit part of ourselves is whole mm -hmm. and to the extent that we spend time trying to heal ourselves and fix all the broken things with ourselves, we are lost, right? Because mm. what we're doing actually is focusing on the part of ourselves that is fractured. Mm. And, and, it's a, and it's a fictional part of ourselves, right? They're, they're just egoic stories that just crap on over and over and over again. And, and, it, and it's, you know, you're, you're whole, right? Essentially, you're whole. Mm -hmm. So, so why spend time it's like, it's like going to, I mean, I'm old school, right? I was about to say, go to the video shop, but let's say Netflix. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, let's go to the video shop. I like the old school way. Yeah. 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 yeah sure. So you shop. go to the okay. video shop and, you know, and you've got this selection of movies and, mm. and most people are going, oh, I'm going to go to the horror section and just watch horror movies over and over again. Cause that's their life, right? They, they love the story of how broken, how fractured, how how ineffectual they are and all of that, and are caught up in this, this ongoing drama. When, whereas the reality is you could go to the video shop and choose a story that's that's all about your amazing creativity, that's all about, you know, the incredible things that you could do if you just held yourself as whole. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that there's a place for working on your stuff um and there's a lot of people doing it quite well mm. but then it's important to realize when you get beyond that and when it's it's time to go okay let's stop dealing with all the little bits and just transform the the whole thing mm. the question the question i have around that alexander because i did that for years Mm. And um, the question is, where, where does it end? You know, I, I got to the point where I just felt like I was just literally like I was trying to drain a never ending swamp. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a, a concept that comes out of um, some of the Toltec shamanism of Mexico, mm. which is about the level of energy that you have. And the energy that you have is reduced by all of your baggage. So however much baggage you have, it reduces your energy levels. And this kind of spiritual energy, uh, in a vicious cycle, this, this reduction of energy 
prevents the same that energy which is used to deal with your issues so if you want to heal something the fact that you have stuff that is baggage stops you from healing stuff okay yeah so this means that at the starting point of your journey you have a very small amount of energy to transform yourself and so you have to take a very small piece of the puzzle and transform that but then you get a little bit more energy and you can take a little bit bigger piece of the puzzle and then you get a little bit more and a little bit more and eventually you have enough energy then you can go right let's just deal with the whole thing um <laughs> and if at that point we're just keeping on going on the little things then we're wasting our time yeah because you're ready to deal with the big things but if you try and deal with the big things before you get to that point then then it's much harder so you know people who are really super depressed i find that it's very difficult for them to deal with the whole issue and just transform to the light but they can deal with one little issue and they can solve that mm. and then gradually they can get ready to solve something something bigger but yeah we have to make sure that we're not you know we're not in the wrong phase you you're ready for phase cde and you're still on phase a doing these little things and it's like it's a bit of a waste of effort i'm yeah. i'm reading the the course in miracles okay and right. um it's all about this yeah course in miracles is all about out of your ego into your spirit the whole ego story is complete nonsense and your job is not to destroy your ego is to realize how much bullshit it is and to go oh okay just stop believing it because it's why would you believe that it doesn't make any sense um but it it becomes bigger and bigger as you go on in the book it's like the the bigger vision the bigger transformation at the moment it's saying okay there's only one problem all of the issues that you have in your life they're one thing and uh, the divine spirit can solve all of them at once. Why are you thinking that you need to solve one problem and then another problem? Why are you thinking, you know, you're solving your business is different to solving your relationships, to, to um, uh, creating peace in the world, to, to dealing with COVID, to, mm. you know, whatever else you're wanting to, you're wishing for in the world. It's all one thing. It's just a change in perception. Um, that's still quite a challenge for me. It's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for everyone. Yeah. But I can see that that's like a, a, a next level of, again, that requires more energy to be able to conceive of the whole world and all of the problems that you're seeing in it as being also within my power to simply transform my mindset. And, and this is all, all transformed. This is, this is another level of of realization so i think it's just no, it's, gradual scope gradual expanding scope of what we can see i think, I think the the key word that you came up with there was was perception mm. because because if we if we absolutely transform ourselves through what you're saying you know like connecting so deeply with spirit that we are utterly transformed it's not going to make the world a different place but it will make our perception of the world a very different place it will make our experience of the world a very different place mm. it does seem to paradoxically yes it just affects your perception and changes the way that you look at the world but then mm. paradoxically that changes things around you the way you look at the world does create waves yeah. in some way um, yeah. 
was like this this concept of you know you you can't change somebody else you, you've got some partner that you've got some issue about them and you want to change them and you keep trying to change them and complain and tell them what they should do different they never change yeah <laughs> and then you change yourself yeah and, and suddenly they change yeah uh, so you can't change them but if you change yourself they change yeah yeah dynamic energy energy relationship yeah hey? we, we're all symbiotically connected so yeah and so somehow the whole world is like is connected to us as well if we change ourselves enough then the whole world will change uh yeah. exactly in which way and how who knows but yeah yeah well i love that um that you know the scale of consciousness from mm. um, david hawkins yes i love it um and you know just how much like one one person i can't remember the exact numbers he said but but one person over the level of 600 on the scale of consciousness you know is enough to weigh you know five million people who are below the level of integrity on the other side of the scale <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah, like, yeah and, and if you want to transform the world or anything you know if you want to transform something um the number of people you need to transform it depends on what level of consciousness you're working at if you've got mm. kind of some we've got the scale of a thousand seven hundred is is what we see as enlightenment by the way so mm. and and 200 is like where where we are roughly slightly above 200 is where society as is in its um mm. capitalist greed kind of thing so that's uh, uh 500 points between here and enlightenment and there's another 300 after enlightenment okay so so when yeah. we talk about enlightenment there's a levels and levels within it um but but yeah if you've got somebody who is like super amazingly enlightened their presence will make so much change just as that one mm. person but if you've got people who are a little bit lower down the scale, you need a whole team of them to do all kinds of kinds of different things. And so yeah, we well, can choose to work on a about... larger scale, more people, or we can choose to work at a higher level, less people. I'm tending to be more interested in the, let's get the higher level really functioning. And then the rest yeah. of it can kind of trickle in. Yeah, I, I, was, I was always surprised by his comments about, um, that most people never never increase their level of consciousness more than five points in a lifetime. Wow, that's that's, that's the, shocking. The, I know it is. <laughs> it is shocking, but I mean, yeah, I that's can kind not of to say it. that there aren't people who have transformed huge amounts. You know, that that's just the average. It's like you know, like you said, that the average. I think we're at two hundred and five mm. as a global society. But but of that two hundred and five, still eighty percent of them are below the level of two hundred, yeah, and caught in all those negative feelings. It's just that there's more and more people who are uh, rolling over the two hundred mark and into courage, which is the first level at at, at two hundred. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you know, I think we it's. I <laughs> I also see it as relating to the um, Michael teachings concept of soul ages. And they, they define seven soul ages, five of which are ordinary soul ages, and the last two are like bodhisattvas who've come back to help others. Sure. Um, 
and and so each of these soul ages there's a different life lessons that we learn and and it's dealing with a particular phase in that in that scale of consciousness i think it's around mm. about 100 points in the scale of consciousness is a is a soul age and a soul age can take hundreds of lifetimes or, or even more to to kind of deal with the lessons in it and to move on and learn learn all of those lessons so that you're ready to really step up into a higher state of consciousness i think it's possible to kind of elevate your consciousness artificially with meditations and things and raise up higher or, or take drugs or whatever it is mm -hmm. but if you haven't dealt with the lessons at that level then it's very hard to hold it and you kind of drop drop back into it and so i think that's why mm -hmm. why the general very small steps that people take is because they're dealing with the lessons at that level rather than trying to jump up somewhere which they're not really ready for and that's maybe appropriate yeah, there's a there's a notion to which we if we you know like we take mind expanding drugs or or do you know like really strong spiritual work that that we suddenly we push ourselves to a high place we will come back but it's like it's like stretching you know like we, yeah. we'll, we'll come back but we won't come back to the same level we were at before then. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. it's like we, we won't ever regain our same shape. You know, like mm -hmm, an old mm -hmm. jumper when you stretched it. You're right. And and then there's one other factor in, in all of that too, which is that there's a num there's a number of um, experience levels, which I believe um, make a big difference. So so we can have like being told. So at the very basic level, we can have being told about an experience, mm -hmm. and and we take on certain information about that. And then we can say, for instance, imagine having that experience and we take on an extra level of, uh, of, of understanding of that experience through imagination. And then, and, and it kind of goes up like, um, you know, deep, a deep meditational experience will give you a stronger um, integration of that information. Um, taking mind expanding drugs will give you a, a a mind expanding experience that that is so strong that some people's lives will never go back to the way they were mm. having had those experiences and then there's this other level right which which to me is purely the work of spirit it's grace you know and it's like the fickle finger of grace will just come in and just and at just one person at one time and blow their mind in a way that they never come back from it you know mm -hmm. and um or, or the, there's two levels of that even like having having a, an experience like that with with the the touch of grace where um because i had something like this doing the shamanic apprenticeship where it took me weeks to recover and probably years to integrate the experience but eventually i came back um and then and then there's people who who for instance like have the have the, the touch of grace and they whatever they achieve enlightenment or something like that and that, that's it they're they're there for life you know and they never come back to their original shape they never come back to their old life they're just utterly transformed and, and another those things are like we can it's almost like we can put ourselves in the way of it we can invite grace 
yeah, but yeah. it's out of our hands. <laughs> yeah. You know? Often it comes when you ask for it, but not necessarily. Uh, I think it, yeah. I think when, if you're asking for it, you're, in, you're inviting it. Yeah. But, but I mean, there's people who invite it their entire lives and never get a hint of it. Yeah. And um, yeah, so there's, you know, that, that's where we, to me, that's where we just be, have to be comfortable with the mystery. You know? Another part of the complexity, I think, is, is the level at which you are comfortable to operate. So, sure. you know, um, I put a lot of effort into finding my spiritual connection and, and eventually seeking, well, I didn't know what I was seeking, but in the end, I found it in unity, in the oneness of all things which, you know, mm. people talk about this as enlightenment, you know. Um, for me, it was like everything else was wrong. And this was like, it's just not working. It's not working. It's not working. I can't live like this. It's not working. And then I get to this oneness connection. It's like, oh, okay, this is normal. This is like, I can be a normal person now. And, and I still feel like if I ever drop out of that, if I'm ever in a scenario where, where the, the energy is, is not that, it's really unpleasant for me. Where most of my friends, they're quite happy operating at a fairly, a, a much lower level than that. They're like, yeah, mm -hmm. but we can go. It's nice to have that connection sometimes and to do some meditation and experiencing the unity of all things. But you know what? I go out shopping. I don't need it. I... I do need it when I go out shopping. Sure. I, 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 I must have it. And I think <laughs> that everybody has a particular level at which they're comfortable. And, and so, and so the, the, the urge to achieve a particular level of consciousness comes from that inner need for it. It's not just that you know, everybody should seek enlightenment because this is a good thing. It's like, well, if this is what you're seeking, if this is what you need in your life, that's great. But if you need something that is a bit more, you know, not so pure and refined is a bit more worldly. So maybe that's okay. This is where I see self-actualization is, is perhaps more important than self-realization. Self-realization, you know, we're finding our greatest spiritual self, you know, but in the end, then whatever you find, you come back to how do I express in the world and what kind of level of frequency do I need and do I want to express? And people do it in very different ways, which is why we have heavy metal and rock music and folk music and classical, you know? And it's like, mm. uh, they're very expressing very different vibrations. And one could say that the, you know, the classical is expressing a much higher frequency vibration and therefore people should listen more to the classical music. Maybe I would like to say that because I like people to <laughs> operate at a higher frequency. But uh, on a wiser part of myself, I go, well, people need to operate where they, where they feel comfortable. And some people, they need to go out and have those intense, mm. powerful experiences and not the soft, gentle, you know, the, the, the highly elevated consciousness, it's very, very gentle, very soft. Yeah, some people definitely have come here with a contract for intensity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and if you're comfortable with that, that's great. You know, if you want to argue and all the time and fight and, and be 
passionate and go up and down in all of your emotional experiences, you know, what? who am I to say no? Mm. Uh, I don't want that. Back to the video shop though, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's like, choose your video. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're choosing, if it's, if you feel like you don't have a choice, then, mm. then I think there's a problem. But if you've got a choice and you're choosing that horror movie because you like the horror movie, well, that's great. Mm. But if you feel like you don't have a choice, well, then let's elevate the consciousness a little bit until you kind of step out of it and go, okay, here's our choice. What, what would you like? Yeah. 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 It's to, to the extent that, that people are caught in their, their egoic story, they typically don't have any choice. Yeah. They're literally just playing out patterns. That's right. Um, you know, so it's only it's only if we can get to the place where we can get a vision of what we'd actually, from from my perspective, a vision of what we would actually love, that then we go, okay, I can see how I'm choosing something that doesn't necessarily revolve around my egoic patterns and and those basic, you know, uh, knee jerk reactions that that we live by normally. Mm. Yeah. The, um, the one thing that I that I want to circle back to too, and in, in something that you said too around self actualization too, and this is a, this is something that I feel is super important because it, it ties back to what I was saying too about having our experience of the ego and our experience of the soul, and you know, there's a lot of people out there who will will meditate, they'll get high level information. But it's almost like the, you know, like in inverted commas, the white lighters who get all of this high connected, high vibrational information, and then, and then they, what do they do with it? Nothing, you know. It's it's actually in the actualization. It's actually in the putting that into action in some form. It's almost like if you don't act on it, if you don't deliberately put it into some sort of action, then you're not actually receiving it. Mm -hmm. you know that the action is a function of receiving I, I, I and it's you know it doesn't make sense it's not it, it's counterintuitive because usually receiving is considered a a feminine aspect mm -hmm. and action is considered a masculine aspect but if you're no, it's getting not, because because creation is a feminine aspect too and and sure. so the creation creation of your vision is is also in the feminine Sure, but but then creation doesn't come by sitting at your kitchen table and chanting. Yeah, poems. you have to creation put the masculine into action. That's you know, exactly the, it. You got to pick up the shovel, you know, and <laughs> make something happen. So yeah, um, in the if you look at some of the spiritual philosophy of different cultures and the link between masculine and feminine, what it means, it mm. kind of turns things a little bit upside down from what we're what we understand but it's quite can be yeah. quite a useful understanding so in in the yoga philosophy the feminine is the creative principle and the masculine is the still stable consciousness that's just paying attention looking being there um, mm. so all of the action is taken by the feminine but it's like the action is taken by the feminine on the ma masculine it makes the ma male do makes the male act makes the male so the feminine is actually the <laughs> the masculine is every is, married man who's listening to yeah. this understands that <laughs> <Yeah>. principle <laughs> uh, you should i have hope so um so the 
the the power structure is is not the classic thing that we we often think of that the male is in charge and is making the inseminating the female you know it's just mm. that way no the feminine is creating out of that that clay um and so in ourselves yes the feminine intuition and the feminine creative visioning masculine action has to be led by that and i think mm. the ego is puts it the other way around i think the ego says um yeah we've got these visions yeah we've got these things but you know it's not practical we've got to get to work and we've got to do something practical masculine practicality wins mm. out and rules over the over the creativity and that's the wrong way around the creativity needs to rule over the over the practicality yeah i agree absolutely well and, and if you look at what you just said too what the ego is actually doing is distracting it's it's a master of distraction mm -hmm. you know? it's, it's a master of misdirection i know that from my own experience you know we've all had that thing of you know we, we go to do something and then 45 minutes later you find yourself checking stuff on facebook it's like you know it it, it just sneaks in there to distract us from the important things that we should be doing you know and focusing on it may be important to explore what is ego and how do you recognize it because i think there's a lot of misunderstanding there and and the and we're using ego in a fairly technical manner and like mm. it's not egotism in the in the sense of being arrogant and pride proud i mean that yeah. can be an expression of of ego but of that what we're talking about ego versus spirit but it's not mm. one it's not the only one and two sometimes it's not at all sometimes it comes from spirit so how do we recognize yeah. that ego well I, I would define it as our worldview more mm -hmm. than anything i would mm -hmm. define it as our worldview it's like what you you know all your your early childhood experiences all happened at a time when your brain waves were operating at, at a level which as adults we only experience when we're in deep sleep as a child you're, you're fully awake so you, your subconscious is being programmed constantly hmm. um, and then we have these infantile conclusions that we come to like so mummy's not coming to me fast enough when i cry therefore i must have done something wrong or i must be bad or i must need to cry louder or something like that and it, and they tie in with our our physical programming our, our archaic hardwired survival instinct you know that that i um that you would see you know when a when a horse is born and, and a foal it first comes out the very first thing it will do is stand hmm. because it's if it doesn't stand it's dead right yeah out in the wild the predators will eat it in seconds yeah um, if it can't stand and, and operate with the mother so and we have those instincts you know we operate differently in humans like a, our initial instinct is to make eye contact with the mother and that that eye contact with the mother creates an enormous rush of serotonin which builds a bond hmm so that that mother will put her life on the line to help to to maintain the survival of that child they're, they're physical mechanisms hmm. that are built into us and and then they're tied in with these stories that we have our, of our early childhood about 
how the world is. That's what we're focused on learning when we're, you know, one to three, even four, five, is how is the world? How, and where is our place in the world? What do we have to do to be, to survive in the world? Mm-hmm. And those stories that, that they, you know, we have all these infantile conclusions that we came to and we're still operating with those conclusions. Like our bodies grown up, our bodies become an adult, but those beliefs never get upgraded. So we're still running these stories of, you know, like, like, so I'll give you a personal example, right? My, my personal, um, one is, so, so there's, there's a, there's a school of psychology that say that there are, there are 12 core beliefs mm-hmm. and that for each of those core beliefs, we have compensating strategies. So one of my core beliefs is that I'm not allowed to be capable. Mm-hmm. And so I, so I will set things up in the world, even now, right now I'm 50 will set things up in the world to prove that I'm not capable. Like I will not finish projects because if I was to finish a project, it would prove that I'm capable. Right. Um, and we all have these and that, and this is what I was saying before about having egoic patterns that just play out, that don't give us choice to, to the extent that I remain unaware of those patterns in operation in my life. I have not any choice. Hmm. They just trigger. And I take those actions and we all have that. And if you don't know that that's operating in your life, then you are subject to it. I promise you, like this is for anyone listening to it, that the awareness is the only thing that will separate you and give you choice. And the fact that you're unaware of those things happening doesn't mean that they're not happening. (laughs) (laughs) In the the course in miracles, the definition is ego is, Ego is seeing the world through through the eyes of separation and spirit is seeing the world through the eyes of connection. Beautiful. Um, and so if we are, you know, if you're, oh, I talked about pride. If you're pride, I am proud of myself. I am a great person. I am connected to all of these other great people around me and we're all great people. That's spirit. Yeah. Hmm. But if, because it's all connected, it's all one. There's no, no me against you. There's no separation. But if it's like, I'm a great person, I'm better than you. Suddenly there's a separation. Yeah. This is the ego is coming in. Because it's the same story that you're telling out yeah. in the world. Yeah. But the, where it's coming from is completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I did a little uh, study of the seven deadly sins, you know, the, the Christian. Okay. Uh, approach and i actually made um a series of musical expressions of like the healing of each of these and what i found was that all of all of them there are just all of the different ways that we can express that separation that we can lose that that love they're they're called deadly sins um which sounds like they're really really bad but they're actually really normal things that we do all the time they're the things that they're the starting points of, of going wrong. So, mm. so um, greed, you know, greed, I, I would like some more money because I feel like I don't have enough and I need more than what I see around me. And I want to keep some for myself and not for the others. It's a, it's a separation. Mm. But if that 
the healing of it is not to not be greedy. The healing of it is to be greedy in a connected way. It's like, what do I really want? And what do I really want is something that is for me to share with everybody around me and to have, have a wonderful time and to, to connect. Yeah. And when you see what you really want, then it's all, it's all loving and connected. So this is my, my basic definition that I, I like to work with. It's the love and connection. Yeah. Versus yeah, the not. Sense. And um, yeah, I had some other thought. Who knows? Maybe it'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, I think um, you, you make a good point too in, in seeing where things come from. Cause, yeah. Because two, two different stories can have the same outward feel to it you know mm. like like you're saying about pride yeah um, but if it but if it's coming from a place of of like lack of connection if it's coming from a place of lack um you know just with yourself mm. if it's pride as a compensating strategy then that's a very different thing than than just self-knowledge that you're an awesome person yeah yeah there's there's a uh, and some other great comments in the in the Course in Miracles about how people actually their ego expresses as a lack of confidence and as a sense of being not worthy. Mm. And, and so the kind of humility that people put on is actually, is actually a ego defense. And when you see yourself as great and infinite and worthy of everything, this is the the spirit so you can ego can be a lessening of the self as much as it can be a over expression of over aggrandizement of yourself mm. yeah yeah oh yeah i thought what i wanted to say was that the um of course the other concept of ego ego is your state of sense of self mm. And you don't lose that when you're going to spirit, you don't lose the sense of self. So it's not that you, you become selfless. We talk about selfless, but um, it's self ego is selfish, but spirit is not selfless. It doesn't lack a sense of self. It's self full. It's a, it has a fuller sense of self that includes others in it and is, is more generous because it's me and you and us and all together, not, me mm. against you um and so sometimes the the concept of ego leads people to think that they should be um not thinking about themselves anymore only thinking about others which is not not accurate it's an expansion of the self well coming back to that that idea of where things come from mm. um it, it it reflects back on that again because if you look at the the typical like like i was saying before about the 12 um egoic types um and and the, or the 12 core beliefs is that in every case in the dysfunctional side of it what it boils down to is being externally referenced mm. it's it's seeking validation of who you are in the world through mechanisms outside of yourself and and the converse to that. So what you're talking about is being with spirit. And that is 
and reaching, you know, a level of enlightenment or whatever. And that is essentially becoming utterly self-referential. Yeah. The only, you are the authority. You are the only thing to which you would look for information on how to proceed in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, that is massive. If you can, <laughs> if you can hold that, that's the thing. We can all get a glimpse of it. It's just the holding of that, you know, becoming purely self-referential. Hmm. No, that's not selfish. That's not, um, you know, that's not self-absorbed. It's not, what's the thing that they're all, they're all talking about at the moment? Um, being narcissistic, like mm. none of that. It's just choosing yourself as the source of your own wisdom. Yeah. 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 But the big self. Big capital S. Yeah. <laughs> self. That's it. Yeah. Okay, wonderful to have you. Beautiful. Thanks for having me. It was a great conversation. Yeah. Stay in touch. Absolutely. We'll catch, you, catch you later. All right.